Hey guys, welcome to Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. My name is Luis Sanchez. Hey guys, I'm Scott Callantine. Welcome to today's podcast episode. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. Today we have a good friend, um, Matthew Erickson here all the way from Oak Harbor. Uh, he's the first guy that we've actually interviewed in person. Uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, so Matthew, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, the work that you do. Um, and um, yeah, what brings you here? Yeah, wow, thank you. And thanks guys for for having me. I'm super yeah. excited about the chance to be able to be here uh, today. Uh, so who am I? Uh, I am a fifth generation Woodby Islander. Uh, meaning that uh, we have great-grandparents that moved here in the 1800s, moved here, meaning to Woodby Island, both on my mom and dad's side. And uh, we were asked to plant a church in Oak Harbor. Uh, So about seven years ago, we packed up a U-Haul, moved from the south end of the island to the north end of the island, and and started the work, yeah, about 40 (laughs) minutes, and uh, started the work of planting a church. And we have been doing that work um, over the course of the last, really, it's been about six years now um, since we've been in the community uh, serving and just trying to understand what it looks like to, to pursue God as a family. Um, first, the nuclear family, and then as an extended family on mission. Yeah. So you've been on, in Oak Harbor for about um, six six years. Uh, tell us a little bit about your context, yeah. um, You know what it's like being on Oak Harbor. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So going from South Woodby, which is you know where I was raised, South Woodby is a small rural community. Uh, lots of different folks, lots of different, you know, it's a very diverse community, um, certainly was raised in. Moving to Oak Harbor is, is, is a little bit different. It's a naval community. It has a naval mm-hmm. air station, which has about 20,000 uh, servicemen and women who are attached as well as their families. There's another 25,000 people who live outside of the base that are, um, you know, all kind of interconnected because about 80% mm-hmm. of the the money that runs through the island runs through Oak Harbor mm. uh, or that naval base. Uh, we have a, a bridge that connects us from our island to the mainland on the north end, uh, which is where most of kind of that commerce flows in and out. Mm. And as you can imagine, being in a naval community, we have a lot of folks who are in and out of town about every three to four years. So we have mm. new neighbors in our community about every two or three months. There's always somebody coming and going. Uh, we are a one high school district, so we have um, a high school, we have one middle school, an intermediate school, and five elementary schools. And our kids, now that they're 19, 16, and 13, have gone through that program. Mm. And it's been, uh, man, it's been a blessing to be able to get to know a community that is uh, just different than the one I was raised in, for sure. Mm. And so uh, you on Oak Harbor, uh, just for people that, that aren't aware you're also an Alliance guy. We actually did some exponential traveling. We've talked about exponential here on the podcast. Yeah. So we did a lot of that traveling together in a part of the same cohort. And so you're pursuing this micro church, or as we call simple church model, the missional communities. Why? Why are mm. you doing that? Why in Oak Harbor? How is that different than what's been going on in Oak Harbor? What are you seeing there? Could you elaborate uh, to our audience, to our listeners? Um, why you decided to pursue this kind of expression of the church? Yeah, man, we're getting into a long story, uh, but I guess we have the time. This yeah. is good. That's why we're here. Uh, yeah, so I was I was raised uh, attending what was at that time known as the Langley Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. Uh, now is known as the Island Church of Woodby. Uh, I was raised in that church. Didn't even really know what the alliance was. Just mm-hmm. knew that was the church that my family went to, and so that was it. 
when I got into high school, I um, had more of a tug towards, um, you know, starting Bible studies and doing other things. I had a youth pastor who took an interest in me and my parents had divorced when I was in middle school, but I had a youth pastor who kind of stepped in and that kind of father figure role a little bit and poured his energy. His name was Scott, uh, poured his energy into me. My kind of guy. Your kind of guy. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And he poured into me and kind of demonstrated what it looked like to mentor somebody or to disciple uh, Mm. someone. He showed me what it looked like to love a wife well, Mm. um, how to love your kids. Uh, And he showed me by living his life on top of my life. I mean, it was really, it was great. And I felt, I felt like I got the opportunity to see what that looked like even before it was maybe cool or unique to be missional. He was missional in the 80s, a long time ago. So fast forward a couple of years, I graduate um, high school and then I'm I'm in school, uh, meet my future wife, Stephanie, at a wedding. I was a wedding singer of all things. And uh, so she was a bridesmaid. It just had to happen. We were engaged three months later. That's new information. Yeah, that's (laughs) new information. Come on, man. It's the good stuff. Yeah. So this was, what, 99 and... Uh, she, I, we were engaged within three months. So met in April, wow. engaged in July, That's married amazing. in March um, at the church in Langley, and really just settled in. Uh, we, we had our first daughter, Ella, uh, came a couple of years later, and then Miles, who is now 16. He was two years after that, and then Sophie, our youngest, was three years after. And, and I had started a career with Starbucks. I started just working behind the counter, and, and, uh, and that turned into a career. In fact, it was a career that we really felt was going to be mm. for the rest of our lives. You know, I'd be making lattes, and she'd be kind of taking care of things on the home fronts, and I worked a ton of hours, but yeah. felt like this was, what, this was what we were supposed to be doing. I had, a, uh, had kind of a moment of clarity. My grandmother passed away um, in the year 2010, and I was asked to do her funeral graveside service and a funeral. Mm-hmm. I was a worship guy. I was not a pastor by any stretch. and But I was the connection between the family and the local church. And so I was asked to step in. I worked with our local pastor at that time. And, and afterwards, I had a cousin who came up to me and said, Matthew, you know, we never understood why you never became a pastor. This just seemed, you know, like this was is your thing. And I looked at her and I told her the truth. I said, you know, there's no money in this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Let it pastor. Know. Let it yeah. be known. <laughs> and so, Don't and, come into this job thinking you're going to make some bank. It ain't happening. Yeah, so we, and you could kind of tell where my heart was, certainly. Um, mm. But it, I had one of those things, and I remember listening, there's a pastor named Matt Carter. He used to be at Austin Stone Church. And he talked about, you know, laying awake at nights and sensing this call. And that was my experience. I just, over the course of the next several months, would lay in bed and the thoughts just kept gravitating towards, God, is this what I'm supposed to do, is to be in ministry? Mm. I turned to Stephanie at one night, shared with her, you know, honey, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor. And she looked at me and said, no. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent timing. Yes. No. No. Uh, Okay. Uh, So we wrestled with that for the course of a year in in our pastor who has helped me with that funeral service he said look if you the two of you are not aligned you are not going to be a pastor wise yeah so Mm -hmm. we we spent about a year walking through that process and and finally stephanie saw that as well and so i made the decision at that point that even though i was a a district manager at starbucks that the time was going to be closing for me at some point and that vocational ministry was going to be a part of my future Mm -hmm. Uh, i started going to the the christian missionary alliance has a program called uh the uh, ministerial study program, which is really a distance learning program. At that point, it was not even email. It was all mailing back and forth mm. papers to professors. And 
took a long time, but I, I was I knew this was what I was supposed to do, and so I started to pursue that. Mm. And uh, once that was done, uh, the pastor at the church in Langley had asked if I would consider um, moving to our family to Oak Harbor to plant a church. That they had been exploring that option and that uh, that kind of an opportunity, and and that since I was a local kid, you know, incarnational ministry, I was local. That you know maybe that would be something of interest. Mm. And so we. Started to, to pray through that, um, and about that time, went out to Boise, Idaho, where my mom was living. Mm. Uh, looked up a local CMA church, which the address was a little weird because I recognized it as a community center, mm-hmm. which I thought was strange, but okay. So we go, and there's nine of us, and there was 20 of them. And you know when you're doing simple church, when that big family walks in, it's yeah. kind of, it, you can't be inconspicuous. It is just like it, everybody knows what's going on. And I remember looking around the room, and there's food in a corner, there's a guy with a music stand and a stool and people just on chairs, like scattered and thinking, this is, what is this? Like, this yeah. is just different. And, uh, and I remember the guy was super kind. He welcomed us and said, hey, you're welcome to stay for lunch if you want to, which we did. And, uh, and at the end of it, I had my sister who was with us and she turned to me and said, Matthew, this, like, this feels right. Like you, like you could do this. Hmm. And I didn't even know what it was. Uh, so I, I called the guys and I said, Hey, can we meet? I need to get a cup of coffee to understand what this is that you're doing because this just seems so different. Yeah. And, um, and so the guys, uh, they took some time with me, uh, Chris and Dusty, uh, took some time with me to, to just kind of explain that they had had this, this aha moment of reaching into their neighborhoods to connect with people about Jesus, folks who would not necessarily go inside the doors of a church or inside the walls of a church, but they would hear the gospel on their couch. Mm. And and that resonated. And so I came back from Boise and I met with our, our pastor at that time and said, look, we we think we really are supposed to go to Oak Harbor, but it's not to do traditional church. Mm-hmm. We think we're supposed to go and do something different. And he, to his credit, said, you got to follow what God has for you. And That's within good. six months, we were gone. Um, we, wow. had to, we had to get a house rented. Um, so we got that taken care of and some other things. But those details all went very quickly and we went about the business of making 100 friends. And so when we got into a car where that was our primary goal was to just get to know our community, get to know people. We parachuted in as a family of five, which mm. didn't really understand that that probably was not the wisest yep. decision. Um, one of the things that we had read in a book at some point was, uh, if you're going to do that, somebody has to be extroverted. Either the wife or the husband needs to be extroverted. Uh, that was not my wife, uh, it was more me. And so we spent a lot of time, you know, uh, serving with our kids. Uh, my son's a Boy Scout, so serving in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. Uh, they're all in sports. So we just started getting to know get to yeah. know people, and and uh, and after about a year, started a, a Bible study essentially, and and went from mm-hmm. there. So today we have uh, what we would call three missional communities or three simple churches that meet in Oak Harbor. Uh, they meet on a weekly basis, and then once a month we do a, a regular gathering, which is a celebration of those churches. Uh, where we get together, we have a meal and, and share what's going on within within the communities and and then, you know, praise God for what he's doing. It's yeah. been great. Man, that's such a great story. Um, so you've been both in what we like to call the prevailing model and yeah. now have spent you know, in the bulk of probably your ministry and your vocational ministry and co-vocational because I think you've also been doing this and doing work outside of Hope Church Oak Harbor. Um what are some of the similarities and what are some of the, the, the differences in, in both of those forms and, and fun, you know, of the church? 
That's a great question. I, and we get it a lot because I'll, co- I'll go to a church and speak. In fact, go back to the Island Church where you and I have both worked. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and a comment will often come up as, as um, you know, so what does this look like to do church? Because we will talk about, we talk about doing church a lot, but at the end of the day, it's really about just being the church and how you can mm-hmm. be the church within your community. Yeah. Um, the things that we, and also we have to keep in mind that we're part of a denomination. So there are distinctives and there are things that we do want to make sure that we are adhering to within the Christian Missionary Alliance. But I would also say to the credit of the Alliance, there's a lot of flexibility yep. that we have in, in being able to, you know, the support of Micah Dodson, who's, who's been on the show, director of church planting yep. and, and, and some other folks were able to see that there's a lot of flexibility in that. So some of the things that we have kept the same is uh, we are very focused on the word of God and worship. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's generally always music of some sort. Uh, we walk through scripture line by line. Um, I like to, like to say, you know, is, you know, I'm, I'm all for, uh, doing topical preaching as long as we do it exegetically. Like, you know, we, I'm fine with that. I'm just not smart enough to do it. So we just, we literally just walked through, we spent three years in Luke. Um, we spent the last year in first Corinthians. We've just started second Corinthians and we walk through it and, and ask ourselves the question, God, what do you have for us? And will you give us the courage to do that? Whatever that thing is that you have for us, uh, so there's a lot. There's a there's focus on worship and the word. Um, there's a, a, tr- a focus on fellowship, um, and I would say all of these would be balanced. Um, time and fellowship. So that's where food is always involved. There's either it's either a brunch, a lunch, or a dinner, depending on when the communities are meeting. We have one that meets at ten in the morning on a Sunday. One meets at about lunchtime, and then another one meets at five. Mm. And then the final thing is mission, which has really been the thing for us that we've learned has been not the most important thing, but I would say what differentiates us from a small group, you know, a group of folks who are an affinity, who love each other and dig into the word of God and worship and have a meal together. And then a church or a simple church that actually does something in the community is the mission aspect. And so we started to really ask the question about five years ago around if Hope Church didn't exist anymore, would anybody miss us? Mm-hmm. And if Great question. the answer is nobody's going to miss you, then we've, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started to lean into uh, our local school district. Uh, we leaned us into senior health services in, in Oak Harbor. Uh, there's a local uh, organization called the Garage of Blessings that gives away free um, items to people who need it and just found ways to, to volunteer and to serve. And over the course of the last five years, I, th- I think we, we stopped counting after a while, but we were at around 5,000 hours of community service that had been given just by folks within Hope Church. Mm. Uh, never been a church of more than 50 people. We've, we've generally kind of hung around that 30 to 50 adult mark. Um, but in a military community, you just get used to people coming and going. Uh, but the mm. thing that really kind of clicked for us was once we were able to see that there's a missional component to this. And... Man, when you catalyze 10 to 15 people mm-hmm. around North Woodby Middle School yeah, yeah. and you just serve the heck out of that school, there's something about rallying around that that um, people mm-hmm. understand there's taste and flavor mm-hmm. to being a disciple of Jesus and following what he has called us to do. And um, so that's what we've tried to pursue. That's why I'd say there's a lot of similarities. The differences would be, of course, you know, the prevailing model. Generally, you'll see more of the large group setting. There's, you know, maybe a building. We don't own buildings. We don't own anything. Our, our budget is less than 50000 It's never been more than 50000 in a year uh, for everything. And, uh, and that's been, I think, a way for us to be nimble, to make decisions quickly, and to be able to be a resource to our community. Yeah. Even just simply talking about the budget, it makes you very flexible. And I think um, that gives you ability to be on mission in a variety of ways, variety of contexts. You can react quickly to different things. Um, 
you know, the prevailing model, that might not be so. There's maybe more structure, which isn't bad, but it might inhibit you from mm -hmm. being on mission um, as we desire to be and as Jesus actually tells us to be, you know. Um, in the last five and a half, six years that you've been in Oak Harbor and pursuing the missional community movement and this expression, could you maybe share with our, our audience what have been some of the biggest wins and some of the biggest losses, some of the hardships you've experienced, but also on the other side of the coin, some of the, the best parts of that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and, and I will say, kind of going back to what we just mm -hmm. talked about, prevailing model, uh, I was saved in a prevailing model church. And and we've, we've looked at this as, as not something that would be a yeah. movement against the local yeah, church. Right but rather a way to just be a different expression um, within Absolutely, the community. Yeah. We have 43 churches in Oak Harbor. So when you talk about the makeup of, of a mm -hmm. community, the average church size is 60 people. Right. Uh, it's mm -hmm. not, not large churches, but there's a lot of them. And we saw that there was an opportunity to have something that would look a little different. Mm. Part of when you talk about wins and losses, and, and it's, it's been interesting because we've changed our valuation over the course of yeah. the last six to seven years in that manner. I think when we got there, we thought... We'd be valuing the amount of people who are coming and maybe the amount of money we're able to raise. That's that's very metrics of success. Metrics sure. of yeah. success, absolutely. And yeah. and it was very common for what I was used to coming from being on staff of a church that was a larger church, and that was those were important things that we had to we had mm -hmm. to measure. Uh, we have learned to to not look at that as much and look more at how many disciples we're making. That's right. And then how many communities are going to be built based on those disciples that we're making. Uh, so wins for us have, you know, a, a church, again, that's not been very large, but we, we will next week have baptized our 16th and 17th individuals, nice. uh, making decisions for Jesus over the course of the last five to six years. Um, we have gone from a family of five parachuting into a community with not a tremendous amount of training. We definitely had training, but there is something about just living life mm -hmm. that, that builds that in. So we had, you know, a family of five starting a Bible study, growing that into a missional community, a community of people on mission in Oak Harbor, uh, to now three thriving communities uh, in which these two gentlemen who are going to be baptized next Sunday, I've never met them. Yeah. Think about how weird that is. As a pastor of a local church, to not meet two men who have, have made a decision to give their lives to Jesus, but mm -hmm. trusting that the person who's discipling them mm -hmm. has led them to that point. They've made that decision, and then I get so, to cheer him on when so he baptizes So you know them. the person that is going to be discipling them. Has been, has been discipling them. It has been discipling Absolutely. them. Absolutely. And you've been discipling the, that person. Absolutely. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. I think it was Ralph Moore. I don't mean you can go back mm -hmm. to that in a second, but I think it's like he talks about how your spiritual grandchildren, you know, it may it may look like you. So that's like the second generation, right? This other guy's the first generation. So, the, the, but your great grandchildren look nothing like you. They may not even know you, mm. right? Mm. And so, like that kind of conjures up some of those images, you know, of disciple making movements and what it is to make uh, consistently disciples to the you know fourth generation over and over and over again. So that's amazing. So you're well on your way to be able to do that if this kind of s sort of rhythm continues to. Uh, 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 replicate itself over and over and over. So you've, yeah. that's amazing. It links, it links to another one of those wins, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, we had been praying for years um, to have somebody who could come and help us in this ministry. And Dan and Kim Mouche mm -hmm. had moved from Granite Falls, uh, had, were seeking to understand whether or not Oak Harbor would be a place uh, for them. Licensed and ordained with the Christian and Missionary Alliance was one of my peers in, mm -hmm. our, in our region here. 
And just due to health reasons, there were some things that they, they needed to move from Granite Falls and, and Oak Harbor was on their list of places and they ended up building a house and they've, they've settled. He and, and she, both Kim and Dan, have been amazing at being able mm. to see the same vision and to have the same heart mm. um, to serve these, these families. And so as we've moved from evaluation of adding mm-hmm. people, which is very common, transfer growth and, and whatever, yeah. But to multiplying, right. yeah. suddenly you start to see activity. And again, I, I was able to share with these other two communities that, okay, we've got a community here that is two men have made their decision to, to follow Jesus. Uh, Dan and Kim have been discipling them. They are, they're going to be getting baptized here in the next couple of weeks. The excitement with the other communities is like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And we decided, again, be nimble. Next week, we cancel our services and we're just going to do a baptism service and everybody's invited. Nice. You know, because you can do that. You know, I don't have, I'm not held to a firm calendar um, that is, that is stuck in it. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of things that we would look at and say, when? Uh, the areas that have been losses, um, we've had a couple of times, and again, it's, it's, it's how you measure that, but yeah. there have been times where we've had people walk away yeah. because they didn't see the vision. They didn't, mm-hmm. um, they weren't necessarily happy that we weren't willing to pursue what had always been. Yeah. And, and sometimes folks, they see the, the, the shiny new thing and they think, oh, that's something I want to gravitate to. But at the end of the day, you have to be called to this. Mm. Um, because there are, sometime, there are times in your journey and in life where you need to be anonymous. You need to just be in a right. church where you can sit in the back row and be able to do that. You cannot be anonymous on my couch. Yeah. You, just, you won't be. You're not going to be anonymous. And so there's a, there's a call to mission. There's a call to purpose that people have to lean into if you're gonna if you're gonna do this. Otherwise, it actually I think feels awkward if you're the person not joining in yeah. when when everybody else is pursuing it. So that that has been there's some good there's been some good learning there, but honestly, some pain as we've had you know people send us emails saying we're out yeah. and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had we've actually been very fortunate. We haven't had anybody at this point pass away. Um, within our congregation, so there's been no deaths. But um, walking with family members who have had children who have walked away, and some other and some other things. Uh, I mean, ministry is ministry, and when you are serving, whether it's a church of 300 or a church of 45, you have all of the same emotions and all of the th- same same mm-hmm. things that you're learning to serve. And as a brand new pastor who had left the business world, probably thinking that I was more qualified than I was to be a pastor. <laughs> Uh, it has been humbling to understand that when you're walking with people, you have to walk with people as Jesus walked and as he demonstrated, mm-hmm. which means you're going to be serving them. Mm. That's beautiful. That's. Hmm. I want to go back to an idea or really you sharing about you're going to baptize guys that you've never met before. Mm. And this idea of you're trusting someone else to disciple them. From my experience in the prevailing church model, that's hard. Pastors tend to be kind of more of the controlling. I have to disciple. Discipleship is programmatic. They got to go through these things before they can get to baptism, before they can serve. And, you know, there's step A, B, C, D to do this. How, can, how have you made that shift of, I'm going to trust this other person to disciple. And you know what? If they say they're ready, if, they're, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. How have you been able to kind of reconcile that for yourself? And how do you trust other people to, to do the equipping, the empowerment, the discipleship? As we have, I think you can look at a missional community kind of model church uh, or simple church and think that there's no structure. 
Mm. Uh, but we have learned that there has to be some structure mm. and specifically training to ensure that people are equipped. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we have our gatherings that happen on the weekends, generally on Sundays, although we have told the communities you can meet anytime you want. Mm-hmm. There, there is nothing that says you have to meet on a Sunday. If you want to meet Friday at 7 and it's centered around game night, God bless you, like whatever you want to do. Um, you should be centered around and orient your life around the people that you're called to serve. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, so that's that's going to be something that we'll discuss as we go for, go go forward. But um, I meet with uh, Dan, so my co-pastor. I meet with Dan every Friday, and we talk through what's happening within the church. Uh, what are the things that you're going to be talking about on a Sunday? Because I don't ask for his sermon notes. Uh, he doesn't ask for mine. I'm I'm. I guess in some ways trusting him, but I also know that he and I have, have received the same training and support when it comes to being pastors within the denomination and are very aligned in regards to what our vision is for the church. Uh, and so as a result of that, I can have deeper trust and faith knowing that, that Dan is doing what he's called to do, which is what I want him to do. Mm. Uh, as we look to develop, like I need to develop a leader for one of our other communities, we'll be bringing in that gentleman to those conversations. So now on Fridays, it's going to be me, Dan, and this other guy. Mm-hmm. And we'll be training him on what it le- looks like to lead a community, to lead a, a simple church, as mm-hmm. it were. And what are some of the indicators that somebody's made a decision of faith? Uh, what are the things that they need to be speaking to? Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I mean, in so many ways, we do see ourselves as a first century, second century, third century church mm-hmm. in that there's the oikos, there's the, the time spent in the home and ministry in the home, but there's also temple. I mean, you need to be, yeah. you know, ministry and having that larger group gathering because I think family celebration is important, but we need to be a Holy Spirit led movement. Yeah. And my belief is that if you are being led by the Holy Spirit, then I can trust you to ensure that you're taking somewhere where you need to go. Cause otherwise the guys 2000 years ago, if they were just micromanaging everything, mm. we wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. Yeah. So good. No, that's, that's really good um as you talk about being uh a movement a disciple making movement obviously scripture matters to us yeah and that's not something we you know have talked about a ton because there's this shift that we're trying to take and that's a journey that a lot of us are on but what kind of passages do you guys go back to time and time again what are encouraging scriptures for you guys that you kind of center yourself on it's a great question. I um, I guess what I would do is I would start by saying that discipleship and evangelism um, are not two separate things. Mm-hmm. Discipleship and evangelism end up working together. And, yeah. and where that leads to scripture is that um, we just have a firm belief that part of living this life and, and being a follower of Jesus means that you share your faith with others. You share what your life experience has been um, with others that is almost always going to be led through scripture on some level because we get encouragement from that. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, first to the Jews and then to the Greeks or the Gentiles. And we have utilized that as a way to be an encouragement that, and of course we know that we don't need to be ashamed of that, but also that there is, there is empowerment that we have, that Christ, that the Holy Spirit was sent and it is through his power that we get the opportunity to, to see this expression be able to move forward in Oak Harbor. Um, it's been interesting. We, we've even had, um, over the course of the last couple of months, we've had a couple of different um, folks, a group of 10, who have come to us and said, hey, we see what you're doing, and we think we want to join with you. 
mm-hmm. and then ultimately made the decision to join and to be able to, to be a part of this. We have another um, kind of a smaller church that has also been looking and saying, man, this looks like something that has taste and flavor and we want to be a part of it. And so mm-hmm. we're having conversations about what would that look like to have them become more of this model. Um, in fact, the church, the, uh, the the verse that we used is kind of our, I wouldn't say life verse, but, but certainly the one that we have on our website and what, as we were planting where the name Hope Church came from, uh, was out of Colossians 1. I'm Colossians 1.27. I actually have my Bible here, so I'll just, I'll read it to you. Um, here's, what, here's what he says as he writes to the church in Colossae. Paul says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory, that Christ is in us. We see ourselves as a group of people that are called to connect the people of Oak Harbor to God through Jesus Christ, who is our hope of glory. And the beautiful thing is that it's not dependent on me. It's not dependent on any one individual. It is completely dependent on God, uh, which frees me up then to just know that all I have to do is share my story and to help people be able to unpack theirs so that they can see who they are in light of God as a good father and a good king. Man, I'm excited about the work that you guys are doing. Um, man, I just want to just bless, you know, the the work. Knowing you a little bit more personally, Matthew, I've just been encouraged by your guys' faithfulness and knowing that, you know, man, COVID's been hard on a lot of people and different stuff like that. And a lot of people are thinking about, I mean, more and more I'm having like conversations about people exploring, you know, a simple church form and asking you know, hey, what would it look like for us to partner with the Simple Church Collective, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, here in the greater Seattle area? In fact, if that's you, um, you can just go on our website at simplechurchcollective.com, and, um, and, and there's uh, right where, at the bottom of where it says who we are, there's a link right there, you know, let's get the conversation started. Uh, but Matthew, if someone were to want to start, in your opinion, right, if someone were to want to start a, a simple church, um, either in their home or in their workplace, um, what are maybe the, the first three things that you'd ask them to consider? Mm, yeah, great question. I, I think the, uh, the first thing is, do you, is this your calling? Like, do you believe that God is calling you to this? Uh, actually, I had a gentleman last night. I was, took part in a fundraiser with a different organization, and I, I was sharing my story. Um, with this gentleman, guy I went to high school with, and it's not a follower of Jesus, but he loves our family and mm-hmm. loves loves supporting. And and he asked a little bit about why I'd made the decision to pursue being a pastor. And and in that, I, sh- I shared why I felt called to this. And he mm-hmm. said, "What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean by that? To be called?" And I realized that that is kind of a churchy word, right? That's a little that's kind of religious, you it know, is. to to be called. And <laughs> and I said, you know, have you ever had that feeling where you just feel like you're being tugged in a certain direction, like you just know it's this is it. But it's not just that. There's other people who speak into your life and say, yes, I see that in you. Mm -hmm. People you trust, people who mentor you, those things. Uh, That's what I mean by calling. Mm -hmm. We knew that we were to be, to do something different. We had no language for this. We had no words for it. There were a few books written. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. talking 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of content out there, but Outside of you know Jeff Vandersteld and and uh, Hugh Halter and Mike Breen and and some and some of the others who who had been doing this work for a while, there just wasn't a ton of content outside of the first century church, and uh, and we had to really ask ourselves: Are we called to this? 
because our district superintendent with the Alliance at that time had said, Matthew, when you go there, we'd like you to commit to being there for 10 years. And as a church planner, that's not normal language. Normally, as a church planner, you're, you know, it's very common for people to come and go. You know, I'm in, I'm in town for two to three years. I get something started. We hand it off to the next guy and go. And you, and you can actually see that in Paul. Paul yeah. was that guy, right? Yeah. He would raise up leaders like Timothy and Titus and whatnot. But in this case, we had to then look at that and say, are we willing to commit to serving this community? Because we knew that rather than being a church that was going to open on an Easter Sunday after a 300-house mailing list, uh, phone calls and going door to door and knocking and popping a church open on a for on those Easter of you who Sunday. don't know that is how church planting was done back in the nineties. People would just like mail out a bunch of stuff or even call. I know a guy Barbara Conda out in the East Coast. They just pulled out you know the the white pages. Those of you who are really young, <laughs> uh, uh, that's a phone book, and they literally called. <laughs> everybody in a specific zip code and said, hey, we're starting this church. If you don't have a church, uh, come check ours out. And so so that's what you're talking to. I just wanted to kind of... I appreciate that. Yeah, because it's... Uh, and and there was a there was an actual um, a mission. It was called Easter 100, where there was 100 churches started in, on Easter within the Alliance. Yeah. This is now 25 years ago. And of those churches, one remains. Uh, that wow. tells you a little bit about... You know, just kind of, you know, what that looks like. For us, our commitment was instead of doing that, we're going to go to a carver and make 100 friends. Because if you make mm-hmm. friends, you are putting yourself in a position where now I need to connect to that individual. Mm-hmm. I need to get to know them. I need to get to know their family. Frankly, I need to get to know if they have a dog or not. Mm-hmm. And then they need to get to know me. And getting to know 100 people in that way takes time. Yeah. And so we had to commit to, okay, we're not only recalled to this, but we are willing to get involved with our neighbors. Um, I realized quickly that doing this was going to be something that would involve bringing my barbecue mm-hmm. you know, out uh, and literally to the front yard. Uh, it was going to mean doing block parties and, and movie nights and different things yeah. to engage families with kids because we had young kids at that time. Uh, I will say moving into a different stage of our life, we have three teenagers, it's not going to be that far into the future we will have no kids at home mm-hmm. we're going to find we're going to need to find different ways to connect with people mm-hmm. um, but yeah what is your calling do you feel called to that um, are you willing to get messy and get involved in your neighborhood mm-hmm. and get to know your neighbors uh, regardless of who they are and then finally um, are you willing to listen to god and really it's about god what are you saying right now mm-hmm. and will you give me the courage to do that you've heard me mm-hmm. say that twice mm-hmm. so good. every time we go through scripture we ask the same two questions god what do you have for us Will you give us the courage to do that thing? Yeah. If you are willing to lean into that and you're willing to allow God to lead you, there are amazing things that can happen. Yeah. There are amazing things that can happen. Wow. wow. Dude, that's been amazing. Scott, I don't know if you got anything else you want to add here. Um, but Dude, I'm, I'm writing stuff down right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. We really wanted to have you on the show, Matthew, just to kind of share as a practitioner locally you know, some of the stuff that you've been going through, some of the wins, some of the highs, some of the lows, and, you know, kind of just pick your brain a bit. And I think today's um, uh, interview has been amazing. We're grateful for you. We're grateful for your friendship and grateful for your faithfulness. Yeah, I'd also say I have one more thing that I would love to add. Um, As people are maybe considering joining the Simple Church Collective or missional community movement and, and what this might look like in their life, you spoke to this idea of orientating your life mm-hmm. to the people you're called to. Yeah. Um, could you maybe 
give some advice or counsel to those who might be listening to thinking, how do I better orientate my life? How do I know who God has called me to? And how do I, how do I reach those people? How do you in Oak Harbor discern the best way to orientate your life and, and the people that you're called to? I'll give you a short story okay, before great. I get into that. Um, so part of what we, part of why we felt that we were called to serve other people was because when I was on staff at the church in Langley, I was ahead of the worship team and some other ministries, and we wanted to make sure things were done very well, excellent. That was mm. the direction that we were given from the pastor, and it's really common uh, within the prevailing church model. Yeah. And so we did extra rehearsals. We did, and I had a team that was dedicated and still actually seven, eight years later is still serving on that worship team. Um, at the same time, my next door neighbor uh, was going through a really messy divorce. His wife left him for the next door neighbor on the other side and moved in with him. And so now we have two households that are just in self-destruct mode. And we had no idea what was going on. And I talked with him a little bit later and he said, you know, we used to refer to you guys as, as the hermits, that you would come in, pull your car into the garage, the garage door would, would shut and you did whatever you did, but we never knew who you were. And I realized that in a moment in time in which my neighbor was going through the hardest thing he'd ever, I mean, that most people would ever have to go through. I didn't have time for him because I was so worried about serving the church. Mm. I didn't have time for my neighbor. And we made a decision that we're canceling all rehearsals. And I encouraged the team to get to know your neighbors. It was maybe a year later that his girlfriend, this guy's girlfriend ends up, because now his wife has moved on and, and he ends up in this relationship. We actually, she comes to faith um, and we start doing things in the community. And what we realized when we moved to Oak Harbor was that that was gonna have to be something that was a fundamental uh, part of our plan was that we would put our lives in the same orbit as the people that we were called to serve. Uh, we had to be very specific. So we didn't say we're called to serve the people of Oak Harbor or even the people in the Navy. That's 25,000 people. We were looking specifically for small groups of people that we could be called to serve. When we moved there in the beginning, it was families with special needs kids. So we put ourselves in positions where we would meet families that had special needs kids. My wife worked in the school district and that's what her job was. Uh, we started a little little program where you could drop your student off and, and you could go out on a date. We would take care of your kid, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you have to be intentional. Mm. You have to think through it and really ask God, God, what do you have for us? Uh, I will say that that is part of a requirement that we put um, for each of our missional communities or simple churches is they have to covenant as a family around who you are called to serve in the community. Mm. For one of them, it's North Woodby Middle School. For the other one, it is Senior Health Services. And for the third one, they're praying for it right now. They're praying to make that decision on who they're called to serve. I just have, I'm just a firm believer. And if, if you do this, the, the shotgun approach and just try to hit whoever you can, your miss. results are going to be what your results are. I mean, yeah. you, you may connect with people, you may not. But if you're intentional yeah. and people see that you care, man, that's mission emphasis. That's mission yeah. focus. We get the chance to really pursue that. So that's that's what I mean by orienting or, or putting our lives in orbit with mm. other people who are in the same place. Matthew, thank you for joining us here on the podcast. For those of you listening, I would challenge you to consider how are you orientating your life to be on mission right now. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Stay tuned as we release episodes each Wednesday. 
We'd appreciate it if you would like, review, share, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening. 